the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 248 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analysts' work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. And on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. We're going to be breaking down UFC 248 as the fight card in question, recording this. Uh, 24 hours before the show goes down, everyone's made wait. Um, it's not right after the weigh-ins like I was trying to, but uh, unfortunately, because, again, there was no episode last week, uh, Dan Tom has had quite the, f- the, f- the fires. Uh, I, I'm not going to turn this into the vending hour, which is uh, part of the reason why I didn't do an episode yesterday, but let me just take this time to quickly say, as per usual, check the timestamps, folks. This is going to be an expedited edition, but you know how that goes. Uh, so I, as per usual, I always timestamp when the breakdown starts. And uh, unless there's something special going on, which I'll let you know, I always recap the picks and plays at the very end of the episode. Um, I missed two weeks, so it's going to be the quickest and quickest of recaps, which I'm usually good about those in my defense. I'm going to just quickly, quickly recap two results of two cards, not going to harp on any of the talking points, uh, just as in regards to this podcast. And then, boom, we will be at UFC 248, where we will break it down as usual from top to bottom. Check the timestamp. For when that starts, yeah, guys, sorry, it's just it's been crazy. I, I, I dare not even tell you, um, <laughs> yeah, everything. But uh, uh, I'm gonna post a more of a formal update on my um, Instagram uh, at Dan Tom underscore Tom underscore man. I don't even know because I barely go on there. I hate Instagram. It's like super unhealthy, especially for me. Uh, but um, but thankfully, you guys have been just so fucking kind. I cannot thank you guys enough on a positive note for everything that's fucking crazy and going to shit. Um, you guys, the people on the internet, for as much as we talk shit about Twitter, people on the internet, people in MMA, etc., etc., my goodness, uh, if only y'all lived in Vegas, because not because I, I would want to curse that upon you, but what I mean by that is that it just seems like all the good people, and this is even before, um, you know, an online presence, so to speak. I, this is always how it's been. Like, when I was in a band back in, like, 2006 when we'd go to play shows, like, I think MySpace maybe was a thing. But, like, all the fucking cool people and people that, like, I'm friends with till this day, to this day, like, are out of town. Like, I don't know what it is about Vegas, but I can't defend all the shitty things people say about it because it's full of some shitty people. Um, I will tell you that. Um but there are some really good people, uh, and thankfully, some you know, good people uh, that I work with as well. So I really want to shout out those, those you know, uh, those guys, the MMA Junkie Johns of the world, the, of course, the gorgeous Georgian Gozes of the world. Um, I'm lucky to be able to call those guys friends, and it was nice to see all the junkies that were in town this week. Uh, unfortunately, man, I had to miss a lot of this like work stuff, which 
I actually get excited for because like I'm a goody goody and I want to like know things uh, and I want to understand things better. And then two, you know, the social side of things, it's like, yeah, man, to see like people that are in town who I don't get to see, like uh, Nolan King or uh, Danny Segura or, or people that um, I haven't you know met in person before, but I obviously know of for a while now. So I wanted to make sure to see everybody, and I at least was able to do that. Um, so I just wanted to shout. I'm gonna miss all the junkies now that were uh, in town, all you know, from from bosses to to uh, colleagues. But it was good to see Matt Erics again. I haven't seen him since Hawaii. So I just wanted to shout out the junkie crew and pretty much everyone who listens, who cares, has been sharing, sending your prayers. And all that stuff to uh, my mom. But pushing on, um, basically, she's okay. Yeah, I'm trying to fucking keep this quick here. Sorry, guys. Um, that, that's the shout-out, so at least that's done. Uh, she's okay. She, she's alive. <laughs> but apparently, she. Um, we found out this late. She apparently suffered a little bit of a stroke um, after the uh, brain surgery. And that's why just her motor skills, her memory and processing have been really slow to come back. And basically... It's just really tough to see a loved one uh, like that. You know, all old people, you know, if you're lucky, you will see and have to take care of your parents as they took care of you. So that's nothing new. Uh, I'm not trying to play a violin here um, specifically. This is stuff we all have to go through. But I hope you guys don't have to, to, to see your par- a, a very capable uh, parent, especially like my mom. She's so fucking strong and does everything for everybody. I mean, her having to be in this position just, just sucks and... and um, yeah, I'm happy to take care of her, um, but uh, she still has a window to get better. But basically, um, she could still reach 99% better, but it could take up to a year. Um, now we're being told, if if at all. So, yeah, the prayers and wishes and all that stuff, man, I, I could not appreciate it more. It warms my heart. Thank you, guys. I'm just going to keep it at that. And I'll spare you all the other <laughs> ugly stuff that's going along with this that I'm having to uh, to fight through. Um, but just know, guys, that it's serious. It's it's. I wouldn't miss an episode uh, if it wasn't for family or if it wasn't for serious stuff. And uh, even though you guys are awesome, the uh, some of the last of the friends that I had personally here, like actual friends, some of this podcast. Um. You know, I've had people say discouraging things to me, kicking me while I'm down, and man, I, I just wouldn't wish this on anybody because um, I think this would have broken people, most people, a while ago. And uh, for all my weaknesses, I'm still here, and I'm still going to be here. Thank you, guys. You guys are part of the reason why I'm pushing through. So let's push through here six minutes in. Um, I'll save the rest for another time. Yeah, UFC Auckland, nine and three overall. Uh, two and two in straight plays, uh, one and zero in the uh, parlay slash parlay pieces. So that was a pretty good card for me. Uh, fun overall. Uh, Kugov told you that left hook, and I also wanted to shout out Dan Levy, uh, of course, of half the battle. He does his work. He knows what's up. But he was the only other person I saw talking about Kugov's left hook. I'm not even going to go through all those um, results because then it was UFC Norfolk, and I, there were some dogs that I was leaning to, and I'm not trying to be after the fact or you know me. I'm not that guy. Um, if I'm saying something, it's pretty genuine. But yeah, I really wish I did get you some kind of shorthand podcast out because there were some dogs that hit. Uh, Devison Figueroa was not one of them, although um, I wouldn't have blamed you for playing them. As you know, I picked Benavidez with my breakdown and, and pretty much laid out both ways and called out my bias, which is probably what led me toward a Benavidez pick. And 
Sure enough, MMA is a cruel, cruel dance partner, isn't it? Um, which is probably why I like it so much. It just fits everything else uh, in my life. One would think I'm a, ma- a voluntary masochist with uh, with the things that seemingly happen to me. By the way, is there a gif out there that's like a dude just tripping over hurdles or someone, whether it be uh, you know, you know, just someone throwing hurdles in front of someone that keeps tripping? Because that's like the metaphor for my life. Uh, these past couple of years. Um, Felicia Spencer, Jesus, Dan, it's not about you. Sorry, folks. Felicia Spencer defeated Zara Farron, TKO. Uh, good for her. I think she should get the next shot over Megan Anderson, who defeated Norman Dumont, which was a nice victory. <laughs> By the way, I love someone putting out that creep gif of uh, all the dudes creeping um, on uh, Norma Dumont's uh, equipment, let's just say. <laughs> As someone who watches a ridiculous amount of tape, that little stupid stuff is the funniest thing for me. And I will, I will, I will, I will catch guys uh, doing the creep eye, and I love someone like did a highlight of catching all the dudes, you know, creep staring the girl. Magomed Ankalaev defeated Ian Cute Laba. Um, I'm not gonna pile on to Kevin McDonald because I wasn't sure about the stoppage. I didn't like it, but I wasn't sure about it when it happened. Of course, with the benefit of hindsight, I didn't like it any more than you guys did. Um, so I'm not gonna say it was a good stoppage because it wasn't. But I could totally see where Kevin McDonald was coming from there. It reminded me of that Jimmy Crute uh, versus Birchler guy on the Contender Series stoppage, where like it looked like it could have been. It wasn't a bad stoppage, but it looked like it could have been premature. And I think Felder on the broadcast even was leaning more toward the possible premature. But then as soon as they saw the replay, you know, um, Felder, uh, who pumped the brakes already and kept it professional, did a really good job there. Uh, gave the rightful praise to the referee after seeing the replay, right? He saved um, Birchler from the uh, finishing blow. Um, And sure, Birchler still went with the fuck and contested it, albeit not nearly to the level and speed that Ion Cute Laba did, right? Who he immediately protested. um, Passing the uh, Ben Folks, shout to the co-main event podcast, what the fuck test. Um... But at what certain point, it's like, no, we need a definitive blow. Like, you know, we saw with the Deontay Wilder um, Fury uh, rematch, right? Uh, and we see that a lot more in boxing because, again, a little more civilized. Uh, not that MMA is not, but I'm not trying to play into those old stereotypes, but I'm just saying boxing's been around for a while. And that's one of the benefits of just focusing on striking, punching, and being around for a while. You tend to get an eye for these things and refs. A little better about stepping in uh, for fighter safety than 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 not in, in boxing. I think that's fair, right? Um, and I think that's what Kevin McDonald meant to do. So he meant to be the do the humane thing. And I, I it's like I that's why I don't want to pile on because even though it wasn't a good stoppage or a good time to do the humane thing, I, I don't want to a pile on no guy and pile on no guy that's doing something that we probably should have more being done of. Especially then you factor in that if he was in fact playing possum, that it's like you 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 fake the ref out. Anyways, I don't want to get too hung up on a talking point. It's been talked to death. I just wanted to say that. Like I get, uh, even though I don't agree, I can understand, and I think that's something that could you know not agreeing but being able to understand is something that we all could use. Everyone in the world, right, for a lot of things, important to none. Uh, Grant Dawson defeated Derek Minor uh, via submission. Um, Grant Dawson doing Grant Dawson things, you know. Uh, hopefully Derek Miner gets another shot. The dude's been around for a minute. Kyle Phillips defeated uh, Gabriel Silva. Um, that one ended up being on the undercard, huh? Okay, Kyler Phillips. Okay. 
Uh, Kyler Phillips really impressed me. Um, that was one of the fights I was tweeting about probably the most and watching the most. Um, fights that I didn't get a pick out there officially. I actually was going to pick Brandon Allen over Tom Breeze, which could surprise some of you knowing that, that I like Tom Breeze. I just thought pretty much what happened was going to happen in the sense that Brandon Allen was going to make it ugly and the size parity uh, was going to, you know, plus the size parity. And if you look at what Nakamura was able to do, yeah, then we saw what happened. Marcin Tybor uh, defeated Sergei Spivak, earning himself rights to the uh, Northern European fishing hole rights uh, for this season. <laughs> like, seriously, like, I, you put, you know, the bloodiness in their beards, like, you just seriously put, like, parka hoodies on them and, like, ice picks, and, like, it just felt like they were fighting over a fishing hole. Luis Pena defeated Steve Garcia. I didn't watch this fight from what it sounds like on Twitter. I didn't miss much. I did miss, however, Jordan Griffin's sixth submission over TJ Brown. But because it was a uh, side control sub, I did vote it for this submission of the month. Uh, another reason why I was bummed I didn't give you guys a podcast because I didn't get to say the name Spike Carlisle. Carlisle. Even though he's not Scottish, I'm going to abuse that name from here on out uh, with his uh, questionable elbows over Alan Cruz. How can you not love uh, that guy's performance? Spike Carlisle. Uh, kind of like I tweeted with the Con Air reference to me having a search my dog Brownie's mouth every time she comes in the the, uh, the yard. I replayed that scene from Con Air where he's just like, Cyrus the Virus is making the walk. <laughs> and yeah, John Cusack um, <laughs> providing the narrative. And it, it just felt like a very UFC walkout, which is sad to say that you could compare a, an ex-con walking into an airplane, like getting the pat down compared to a UFC walk. Very similar, you know. John Cusack's like, um, he's looked to reform himself since being in the system. Uh <laughs> But still says he's killed more men than cancer. <laughs> Cyrus the <laughs> Spike Cadillac. <coughs> Sean Brady. Jack Brady defeated Ismail Nardiev. Probably would have got that wrong again. And Brady, uh, from what all counts, looked good and did what he needed to do. Look forward to going back to watch that one. Uh, defeated by Ian Ammon's decision. All right. Let's see what the time is there. 14 minutes. Not too bad. Let's push on like I promised. Yeah. As I log on here, we will be going to UFC 248 from top to bottom. Of course, the main and co-main event. I got in-depth breakdowns. Hopefully, you already read it on MMAJunkie.com. They're still up there. I'll repost them on my Twitter, at Danton May. We have the main event. Israel Adesanya, minus 270. Yoel Romero, plus 230. Um, dude, I, I mean, like, can we just first of all agree that but aside from Romero being the style of spoiler and being Romero, um, another reason why he can and probably will win this fight, even though I'm not picking him to, uh, is because this whole like season of like let's give losers title shots, um, and these guys are are coming out and winning, uh, or guys who miss weight or you know with the division figure they don't like. In other words, if the worst thing's gonna happen, if if the UFC is going to put their neck out even further than they already are because of this breakneck schedule and what it makes them do, um, for all you complaining about shit cards, uh, that's fine as long as you're not the people that want cards every weekend because it's your fault. Just kidding. It's not your fault, but definitely not helping by not seeing what's going on here. Um, which is it's putting the UFC to put, you know, it's not because the UFC wants to put together this, you know, they're not twiddling their mustache going, how could we make our product, uh, you know, uh, not as strong. 
Like, no, it's just kind of part and parcel with the deals that uh, the deals that they made and the broadcast and their, their global expansion. It's what it is, folks. Um, but yeah, so now we have, you know, just whoever getting shots on what makes sense for the schedule now. Um, basically, I, I suspect, speaking of Fury Waller too, I suspect this is what's going to be here. Uh, Yoel Romero being the athletic, more visually impressive, more one-shot knockout-based guy, of course, with a much wider game. Not much wider. Um, still not the widest game in MMA terms, but he is on the feet. He, he offers way much more than you know the proverbial right hand, but you get what I'm saying here, where we have the taller, lankier, um, more skilled character there, uh, technically, and Israel Adesanya. And a lot of brilliant performances, even though we've seen it in boxing and MMA, we just we don't see it a lot, and we forget that this can be the option. Because when you have a powerful guy, it's like, what? What, what, what? You don't want to be in his face. You don't want to walk him down. That's the most dangerous thing, right? But if you use that, and I don't want to say invisible pressure, one, because that fucking fraud guy, um, Josh Fabia, uh, uses it. Uh, for one and for two, even worse than that is I legitimately think I've used that before when I was like talking about like Max Holloway, Jose Aldo, which is another comparison to how I could see this fight going. When you have an athletic guy like the Aldo, uh, Aldo, you know, kind of analogs Romero in the sense of not so much the finishing uh, as much, you know, even though Aldo shows he can still have that side of him. Um, but more in the sense that he needs to—he's super athletic and but needs his pockets of time to recoup. So if you can provide some type of pressure, even if you're not throwing strikes, but kind of standing and using your your long range and the threat of strikes and the threat of counters, that exhausts a guy too, or a fighter, I should say too, um, as we saw in um, uh, Aldo Max Holloway's fights with Jose Aldo. You know, Max Holloway—you could probably you know split hairs and say he threw less in those fights than he did the others, yet he cooked one of the most talented guys most effectively. Well, how did he do that if he wasn't throwing strikes? It does come to that, which i got to find another word for, invisible pressure. Um, I'm sure there's much better words for it. I'm just stupid, and I can't think right now because I don't sleep anymore. Neither here nor there. Uh, I, and we saw it uh, also with uh, Tyron Woodley, another uh, super athletic guy, dangerous right hand, but needs his pockets to recoup and make his reads, right? Um and we saw Roy McDonald, one of his most masterful performances uh, for Roy and just in, in, you know, an MMA and just shutting a guy down. You know, Roy stayed in front of him, used his length, the jab, and just made him kept made him and kept him uncomfortable. Um, which, you know, there's much better people to uh, explain the boxing side of it on how Tyson Fury did, did that to Deontay Wilder in the rematch uh, more so uh, specifically as I'm referring to here. But from a general sense, yes. Um, uh, so I, I could actually see something similar. Uh, could I also see Israel Adesanya pot shot his way to a decision and just do like, you know, the more uh, city kickboxing approach uh, like a Volkanovski Aldo? Yeah, I could, I could see that too, sure. Um, but I'm actually calling for Israel Adesanya to uh, finish in Yoel's realm of the third round, which is ballsy as shit, I know. But uh, I think Izzy's the guy to do it because... Um, for a guy that gets reads and sets traps like Yoel, I think Izzy does it better. And I think if he, the longer he stays in with Izzy, the worse it's going to be um, for Yoel down the stretch. Uh, so it might not be as early as the third. It may be later or to a decision, but I got a sneaky suspicion that uh, if he plays it along those lines and and frustrates uh, and frustrates Yoel, 
Um, and I think he's going to make a statement. I think he wants to make a statement here. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick uh, Adesanya my third round. Co-main event, Wele Zhang, minus 190. Ioana Yanjacek, plus 165. I know, I surprised myself on this pick too. It's not a confident one. It's a reluctant one. But I did pick, and do have plenty of reasons to back why I'm picking Ioana Yanjacek, whose number keeps climbing here. Um, I don't want to pick her, and I don't want to play her. <laughs> That's maybe where my bias, or I don't, you know, maybe that's where my bias is, but I did pick her, and I did not play her. Maybe that's where my bias comes in, I should say. But, again, folks, like, that was my whole point with the thing. Like, I'm not trying to do this, like, cancel culture shit when I was calling out Ioana and Jacek for what was a really fucked up post that does not age well, right? Even more so with what the coronavirus and shit was doing. Um, but what the point that I was making was, not only is, is it actually legitimately wrong, and and racist, you know, or racial, uh, racially insensitive, because uh, I'm very careful about the racist thing. Like, I'm more of the, I don't know, I feel like we should reserve racist, racist for actions. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I really, you know, uh, God forbid, quote Adam Kroll here, but like reserve racist, you know, racism for like, you know, the people uh, actually, you know, doing racist things, which sadly those are those people. Um, like, I don't know. It, it, yeah, I, I'm very hard to offend, in other, wor- in other words, folks, which was kind of the other horseshoe of the point, which was, you know, which people neglected to decide and saying that I'm just being, was, the ignorant people saying that I was being, like, sensitive at the time. Like, they didn't read the rest of it going, like, by the way, like, I, I'm i going to move on from it. I don't, you know, and whatnot. I just, you know, and I'm not going to, you know, hold it against you and check as far as my analysis, but, like, it's what it is, and people got really upset with that. And here I am picking in Jacek. Hmm. If I was really a sensitive snowflake, uh, maybe maybe I wouldn't do that. But but uh, but yeah, history is not age well on Jacek or people um, defending her. That said, I am picking her because you know, from a simple point of view, um, there is more information. You know, Wele Zhang has not have to go in those championship rounds in and out of UFC. She doesn't have to answer that call. In the UFC, she's only went the distance twice. And that was in three-round fights, not fives. The other two fights, which make it for a grand total of four fights in the UFC, only lasted one round. She was visibly rocked at least once in at least two of her four fights. That was Wei Li Zhang. She did not face fighters who threw consistent jabs. And when she did, the straight punches were a problem. And the right-hand counters, with or without the jabs present, were definitely problems. Hence, rocking her at least three to four times in fights. Just by looking at the Tisha Torres and Danielle Taylor, which had two in it, alone. She also hasn't faced consistent, persistent leg kickers like she will be with the NJ chick. And even though there's only four fights, and again, two of those lasted in the first round, three of the four fighters all threw different amount of number of leg kicks at Wele Zhang, but they all landed in the 90 percentile. And I can maybe visibly call recall her 
checking a kick once, and I don't even know if a kick was thrown. I think it, like she thought a kick was going to be thrown. Most of Zhang's defense is a high guard and a preternatural sense of distance management from doing martial arts in Wushu Sanda, which is great, which is more than, sadly, a lot of fighters. So I'm not dissing that. Um, is Joanna Janjacek the most layered defensive fighter in the world? No. But when I said defense was going to be the difference, as far as distance management goes, the high guard goes, footwork goes, um, Ioana Janjacek has more experience and has had to survive and uh, do more in that regard. So um, even though she's been stopped once and Zhang hasn't, outside of that, they've both been rocked yeah, Yona and Jacek hasn't been rocked much more than Zhang when you look at it. And she has how many more fights MMA, Muay Thai, overall, and in the UFC does she outnumber Zhang in fights? But, you know, she, as far as like the getting rocked ratio, you know, she's probably ahead if you did it ratio wise. And pure times we've seen him hurt. We've seen her hurt more and yes, stopped. But it's not by much, which is kind of crazy when you look at like how much the experience difference of sample size you're drawing from to come up with that conclusion. Now, that being said, Zhang is dangerous early, and Yen Jacek, as a Muay Thai fighter, as a building fighter, she is more susceptible early than late, you know, which is why I think Kovalkiewicz was like the only fighter, which in that fourth round hit her, uh, to really like uh, hurt her late in the late rounds. Most fighters were rocking her early. Rose in the first fight, Rose in the second fight, which even though she didn't stop her, landed most of those quality shots early, right? Whereas Yoni and Jacek was able to pull away. Um, Claudia Gadelia, uh early on in, the, in her fight in the second one, uh, maybe even the first. No, she... And JJ rocked her at the end of the first round to steal it, but yeah, in the in the in the second fight in the beginning she gets rocked early, right? So that's definitely going to be Zhang's best, uh, you know, offense. I'm looking forward to see what happens in the clinch. Like I love Joanna's game, the forearm framing in the clinch. She stays active with with knees. Her grappling and takedown defenses rounded out. Um, but you know, how's that offense going to be coming back at her? Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if Zhang's able to ice her uh, early, you know, with some elbows and, and some power shots. Um, and I'd be happy for Zhang because I'm secretly rooting for her uh, here for all she stands for. I mean, which I, I, you know, I'll touch on in a second. But at the same time, it kind of sucks because I really do want to see Zhang in a five-round fight. I want to see how far these mutant powers of hers, of strength, explosive, dexterity, flexibility, well-roundedness on the floor and on the feet. Her agility, she has like she's built in a fucking lab. I want to see how far it goes because she she looks, you know, she doesn't slow down too much really at all in a third round fight uh, from what we've seen again. You know, um say what you will about the competition and she was in control about those fights, but I I want to see more. Um, and from what I've seen, even though her offense is, is, is impressive, when fighters stand and trade, which very few fighters, you know, can and have elected to, much less have both, and much less having the sample size to see both come through. But when they have, they're doing well. 
So from those reasons alone, and I, again, I fall into this analyst trap where we, we often tend to go with the more technical people. I find myself leaning toward Jan Jacek to get it done by decision if uh, she doesn't get finished in the first two rounds. And if this number, one, plus 165, gets any closer to plus 200, then we're all going to be stupid to at least not sprinkle that. Um, that being said, I'm with you if, you're, if your money's on Zhang. I'm with you there. My heart's with you. She, uh, Sorry, Benjamin's uh, coughing. Between this coronavirus stuff to just like, dude, I think she's like the year of the tiger. Or if not, she's just like a couple months off from it. Like, they used to drown fucking girls that were Year of the Tiger. I mean, they would they would do stuff to girls and abandon and God knows what anyways with the one-child fucking laws. But you factor in the woo-woo Chinese part of it, and if a girl's born into the tiger side, I meant they're going to be strong, you know, a real rascal, strong female. And uh, Listen, man, um, you know, as much as uh, I love my Asian brothers and sisters and I'm proud of my heritage, um, you know, there are a lot of cultures around the world, and, and, some, and some of the Asian ones, not pointing fingers here, you know, are, are guilty of not treating women the best. Um, so, uh, so, so, yeah, uh, you know, a strong woman is not well, it's not as welcome in some cultures, right? So, like, to see her fucking rise to the top in a country where it doesn't even matter even if you're a male or female, it's. Like that Lee, Lee Jiang Lee, Jet Lee, the thing I posted from that video, Top Fighter. Like, it's so hard in a country that's focused on being, uh, in a country that sways away from the focus of individuals to stand out. And uh, she's doing that, man. That's fucking crazy. And she's doing it with class. I mean, fucking hell, man. So... Go away, Lee, but the pick is uh, NJ check by decision. All right, Benil Dariush, minus 167. Drakkar, uh, close, plus 147. Uh, my initial lean ended up being it. was talking to someone uh, in the DMs uh, about this fight. Um, I think my dude Lock of the Night there. Shouts to everybody who just chats in the DMs. I apologize if I'm late on the responses, especially lately. Getting things have been fucking bananas. Um, I'm like missing calls here. They got to check on and trying to like, check text messages. So I'm gonna I'm gonna burst through this. But yeah, um, I like Darius here. Uh, Drakkar Close all scares me to bet against because he he muddies fights, and he's a stubborn bastard. Uh, and kind of like Ghost said, he called up and gave us all shit for like not picking him. And I think Ghost might have picked him once. So like I don't know. The dude's always just got a fucking attitude. <laughs> but I, I I like that stubbornness. You know when I when I bet on him. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's weird. It's like he's like a grinder who doesn't like to work. Not that he won't work. Not that he can't work. He's winning a lot of these fights, folks. But if you look at him, he's just like he doesn't want to work, man. And he gets pissed off. And like you saw that as soon as um, what's his name, Timor didn't want to uh, didn't want to didn't want to play his game. Um. Yeah, as soon as Timor didn't want to play his game, uh, the only official southpaw he faced. And uh, aside from the frustration and mental stuff, which was like, okay, flag, that's right, I remember that. But he didn't do too well against the southpaw stance either. And even though Yagos was an orthodox fighter, to my memory, I went back to watch, and Yagos was doing more switch dancing than I remembered. And actually, some of his best moments in the feet, both from counter left hands to body kicks, which is Benil Dariush's specialty. Also of note is that even though 
Dracar Close can throw some good calf kicks because he came from the MMA lab. And I'm not sure how that will go if he still keeps those because he's not with the MMA lab, but yet still with Eddie Cha, which was the striking coach from the MMA lab. Regardless, uh, hopefully Cha worked with him on the leg checks because even though Jakar Close has had some good moments throwing kicks, guys have been able to kick him again. Offense is great, just like with the Zhang thing, right? Offense is great, but people are also able to do it to them too, though, lest, lest we not forget. Um, so against Dariush, who just, you know, is a real stickler on his, his skill level and technique, you know, black belt under Rafael, Master Rafael Cordero. Um, and he's been traveling around the world, got some rounds, more rounds in Thailand. Um, I think Dariush takes this. I think Dariush can win a decision or finish him. I, I hope he finishes him because it means it's an exciting fight. And we get to see Drakkar close in some bad spots and, 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 you know, work out of it. And if he does, great on him. Even more of an exciting fight. Uh, but... If you're a Daryush better, you got to worry about him gassing. I think that's the culprit here. He goes for the finish, he doesn't get it, then he's gassed. I mean, we've seen, you know, just look at that last fight um, against Yagos. Uh, you know, uh, he can, he can, you know, be getting tagged, have his back taken, and look like he's almost going to be two to two rounds to none, and then fucking dig himself out. I mean, that's the kind of grinds that Close gets into. So uh, the proverbial close word, but yeah, he keeps it close, which keeps me worried. Next fight, Li Jiang Li minus one seventy-two. Neil Magni, Mag- Magnum Magni. Even though uh, actually Wei Zhang's nickname is Magnum, why is her nickname Magnum? <laughs> insert insert gif of dude guy doing the creepy nod in the shower. <laughs> yeah, damn. I don't know why you have to be juvenile and eight years old. Uh, sorry, folks. Um, I, I like Mag- Neil Magni. Um, but uh, I'm surprised this line isn't a little wider. Magny's like a guy that a lot of people try to fade, although he's also the guy that, if you pay attention, he's burned you a bunch of times too betting against him because he'll show up, right? But with the layoff, the USADA, all that stuff, he's been able to sharpen his skills. I like the attitude. It sounds like he's had about it. He's a consummate professional. He trains with a great camp. So I don't expect him to affect him too much. But with... But I, I still have a hard time seeing why this line isn't a little bit wider. I, I played Zhang straight up here. Um, maybe minus 160 or 170, I should say. It's minus 170. It's a weird number. Um, but, uh, but yeah, because even if, you know, you take the layoff factor aside, I still like 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 Li Jing Lang. Um, I think his pressure is going to pay off really good. He's got really hard leg kicks, and we've seen that with Magni, you know. Uh, that's something I'm sure Magni's going to address because he, he he said that, you know, in not in so many words, a guy spot out where he's weak. So he's tried to address it in said time. Um, but Jang's not going to gas. And even if Magni catches him with a perfect shot, Li Jiang Li uh, shows... Uh, Li Jing Lang, uh, sorry, shows uh, he, he can recover well. Um, so as long as he doesn't get caught... With a Magni back take, or doesn't allow Magni to take his back twice to like steal two rounds, um, I feel like Lee either finishes Magni or runs away with the decision. So I played him. Uh, next fight, um, Alex Oliveira minus one forty, Max Griffin plus one twenty. It's tough. Max Griffin is like constantly underrated, but at the same time, you know he's constantly getting rocked, and then will like drop fights that even like you don't, even for people his critics probably don't think he should drop if that makes sense. Uh, Morono did have a really good performance, or not really good for the most part. He kind of gassed in the third round. Um, but just the combos he was putting together, uh, just him and Safe were really melding there. So it's like, I don't know how 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 hard you got to hold it against Griffin for that one. 
Um, I did kind of go back to watch that fight, and I didn't go back to watch Oliveira's last few fights, but I feel like he he, he needs the win here. And I feel like um, Max Griffin gets rocked enough where an opportunistic guy like Alex Oliveira, it's going to be trouble. Like, he could be winning rounds. And then Alex Oliveira can either knock him out and win the fight or rock him really badly, get him on wobbly legs and steal the round. Uh, Max Griffin against guys, dangerous strikers, or guys that just rock him, his kind of... um, uh, you know, exhaust valve, his safety net, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, is he'll push into the clinch. Um, if it's a striker and it's part of the game plan, he's shown that he's got serviceable takedowns. But uh, against Oliveira, I don't know how long. I don't, I don't know if he's good enough to to uh, outdo Oliveira there because Oliveira is super strong in the clinch. So uh, I was nervous about this pick. Uh, I don't feel gr- great about it, but I do feel better about it for whatever that's worth. But again, folks. My tape study was real light from here on out. So fucking, you know, like my like uh, like my buddy Tony there I talked to in the DMs, uh, uh, you know, he says, I, I should have listened to you. Don't follow you off the cliff. I'm like, yeah. I'm not trying to use that as a blanket, you know. Fucking I can do no wrong. But at the same time, yeah, I, I do say it for a reason. Don't follow me off a cliff. Um, That, that said, there's no cliff for me to follow Uh here aside from the pick because there's no play just Oliveira picked Oliveira Sean O'Malley minus 345 coming off a layoff against Jose Alberto Quinones uh, Quinones can you know it's got really good volume but it's tough man I feel like O'Malley can either rock him and get him out of there on his best day but again what do we expect from O'Malley after the you know injury surgery or whatever which was minor I think Mainly just this Austrian layoffs that he's been dealing with. We'll see. That's kind of just a stay away, especially at that price, minus 345. But I'll take O'Malley there. Uh, it's just kind of a wait and see, you know. Uh, if he hurts something, though, like he did against um, Sokomtak, uh, he's going to have to be careful because Quinones doesn't stop. <laughs> Mo means yes. <laughs> what the fuck? Jesus, Dan, that was that was wrong both ethnically and to Quinones. I apologize. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I wish I was on some kind of medication or just uh, drinking or no. I have nothing to blame it on. Nope. Nope. Just fucked up in the head. Um, Marco Madsen. I, I would like some Volta. Please, someone, some Volta. Come on, the only podcast with a Marco Madsen Danish impression. Give it up, dog. All right, Dan, wait a weird flex, but okay. Marco Madsen, minus 225, Austin Hubbard, uh, plus 85. I got to imagine someone with Hubbard just got made fun of, right? Because there's nothing you can make fun of, like what, Hubbard Telescope? Like, yes, Hubbard Telescope. Like, what is funny about that? Absolutely nothing, but kids are fucking cruel, and I bet he was teased, and he's like, fuck that. Kind of ironic, though. He got the Thud Hubbard for, like, a leg kick name, and didn't he get compression syndrome from leg kicks from his last thing freaks me the fuck out though i hear shit like you realize how easy it is for like clots to form or compression compartment syndromes i should say to form like i'm surprised this really doesn't happen more folks you know um with all the leg kicks being exchanged in fights that being said um unless you don't have wrestling or your low output guy's gonna gas i feel like uh hubbard is a a guy who can um, they can use to showcase against and it feels like that's what they're doing with the Davi Havosh and the most both the Mark Madsen matchups because I think those are very bad matchups for Austin Hubbard Um, Havosh even though he's a competent wrestler his jujitsu prowess kind of overrides and bleeds into the lines and justfully so 
whereas Marco Madsen, his wrestling does kind of the same for him, and, and rightfully so. I don't know about a minus 700, but I'm, I, I don't know if I agree with that line. But I am surprised that it, it came all the way down to minus 225, and I think that's a playable parlay piece here, folks. Um, I, Don't follow me off a cliff, but I may or may not have paired him with a, a Li Jing Liang for today's line of minus 172, which may get you near plus 115 or plus 120 when you pair just them two together. That'll be the uh, little parlay uh, fun thing that I'll, I'll be doing, regardless if you want to do it or not. Again, these are I did not study these very hard. I did watch Austin Hubbard's last two fights and Mark Madsen's last two. But, uh, but yeah, I just think it's a bad matchup. Ma- uh, Madsen doesn't show to really gas. He, he had a mess up that led to a back take in his Cage Warriors fight, but like that was, I think that was more of a mental slip up and kind of like he reminded us at the end of the fight, you know, I would like water. No, not that, Mark. Not that. Oh, yes, I've been doing this sport for only 12 months, but there's a new guy in the room. Yes, Mark. I want to be the fittest lightweight. You can put your shirt back on, Mark. This is kind of uncomfortable. Okay, I'm just going to get some water. Water. Uh, <laughs> but I like Marco Madsen here, so that's the pick. Hadolfo uh, Vieira, uh, he's like, hold my beer. That line's coming down, my line's going up. Like, remember that wrestling thing where it's that wrestling guy? It's like literally these two short, chubby Iranian wrestlers, and one's doing like a reverse handstand bridge, and he's pumping his like genitals up in the air, while another guy is kind of sitting on top his genital area and, and slowly like doing like a, a a Titanic like Superman thing, like putting his hands in the air, like I'm the king of the world. Like that's what I think of any time someone starts inflating a line. Wow, Dan, that was a really off reference that makes you look questionable. I know, that's what this podcast is about. You get to see into this messed up head. <laughs> is that Krusty the Clown? Hey, kids, have you seen Krusty's new suit? His sexual harassment suit. <laughs> wow, Dan, Simpsons impressions, terrible ones at that, really? Is that what you're devolving into? I'm sorry, folks. Against Saperbeg Safaroff, this is at 185, and I looked at the Wayne video. For... It was what I love about Saperbeg, is not only does he look like the guy you pissed off in the parking lot, like you took his spot, like... He's fighting 20 pounds down than what we usually see him at. And he looks exactly the same. <laughs> that is so on brand for whatever brand. Saperbeck Saparoff. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I'm still giggling. Uh, the, the fucking. <laughs> no means yes. <laughs> Why did I say that? Damn, why'd you say it again? <laughs> Oh my god, sorry. Uh, Alright, sorry. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me. I think I slept last night. I don't know. I'm losing it. Uh, I got Adolfo Vieira to take him down and do I mean, what didn't like uh, Tyson Pedro uh, get a Kimura on him? And I'm not shitting on Tyson Pedro here. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, Adolfo fucking Vieira. Um, Dare on win minus 140. Gerald Mearshart, GM3. Cooper Troop, motherfucker. Uh, I, I forgot why it's so personal or why why uh, GM3 is bringing the heat to Darren Wynn, but I can't hate it because you all know I'm a fan of GM3. And uh, not that I'm not a fan of Darren Wynn, dude, I like anybody who's short and can, like, get shit done. Like, anybody who just, you know, if you're fat, if, you're, if you are generally non-athletic looking, not up to any standard, whether it be society, athletic standard, standard by the opposite sex, and you're still kicking ass, dude, Dan Tom is a fan of you. Um, 
But, you know, Darren Wynn, I think, is a little too much too soon, and he kind of is my canary in my coal mine. Uh, you know, not maybe the wrong wording here, but I, 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 I'm glad that Darren Stewart fight happened and that it was Darren Stewart that showed it because it kind of brings my point of my canary in coal mine theory, I should say, as far as wrestling not, as I just, you know, fucking beef up and tell you Marco Madsen's a parlay piece. Wrestling is not as guaranteed a, a success measure just coming in as, as it once was. Uh, is it still not a great hedge? One of the best, if not the best? Oh, no, it is. It'll get my vote. I'm not saying I love wrestling. I'm not hating on wrestling. I'm just saying is that the game and the information is getting so good that good takedown defense isn't quite as hard to find and hard to teach anymore. Uh, cage tactics, the cage is not has shown that it, it not only can it work against you as well, it, it works as much against you as it works for you, if not more. And the way people are using it, I would argue it hurts your wrestling more than it helps because, again, the information's out there and so many people can use it. Um, Gerald Mearsharp may not be the type of guy to get up, though, and that might not necessarily hurt him because he's actually a really good submission fighter. And if Darren Wynn starts to gas or he gets cut open by any GM3's elbows on the ground or on the feet, that could be trouble. And I know GM3 will be throwing those body kicks from the southpaw stance. Uh, that'll only, you know, the, that might be available on uh, Darren Wynn's shelling guard. Uh, so I actually like GM3 on the feet. I didn't go back to watch the Eric Anders split decision loss, but from what I remember, I, as well as the general populace, seem to have thought Mearshart won, or at least there was a good case for it. Um, so I'm going to go Gerald Mearshart here. I took a shot at him at plus 120, half a unit. Uh, next fight, I don't have to break down because it's biased all over it. Emily Whitmire, plus 100. Pollyanna Viana, uh, minus 120. Uh, I took Whitmer here. I think she's going to overwhelm Viana. And uh, given that we've seen both overwhelmed, except one that's not her really her style uh, being the difference, I feel like I would legitimately take Whitmer, especially for the dog money, even without the bias. So um, don't follow me off the cliff, but the pick is Whitmire, who I also played here for half a unit. Uh, didn't do any study on these last two, unfortunately. And Jamal Emers has been around, so this is a guy I really wanted to go back and watch. He's really experienced, well-rounded, good, but... You know, he can be knocked out, as we've seen, and he's facing Chikachikadze. Chikachikadze. Sorry, cursing in Italian there. Chikachikadze, who's showing he's a bit well-rounded, more than I gave him credit for, for blindly picking Brandon Davis as the underdog, but I saw why. So I don't blame anybody for actually taking a shot on Chikachikadze here, but, you know... Against Jamal Emmers. Um, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go pick Chikatsi, but don't uh, follow me off that cliff. Maybe I'll even uh, sprinkle a shot on there, too. Why not? Let's do that. Uh, and you know what? We're going to do that for times two. I didn't uh, do a tape study for um, Dana, Batgirl, Batgirl, Dana, Batgirl against Guido Canetti. But Guido Canetti is an underdog. I've only picked Guido Canetti twice, folks, and I played him both times. Once he was like a plus 300 underdog against some dude like way back. This is like 2015. And he cashed there. And then against, um, what's his name? Who really wasn't good. He had the fluke knockout. He had a great story. I, f I feel bad. But he had the sympathetic story, Diego Rivas, because he came back from cancer. And then he's fighting in his hometown. He's the only fighter, Chilean fighter on the card. 
But, folks, MMA that doesn't mean anything to MMA. MMA doesn't give two shits. So I picked Guido Canetti and cashed that. I didn't do any study on this. Dana, it looks like he's uh, doesn't come from a wrestling background. He has kickboxing experience from 2009, so he's been doing it since he was an adult. And then he's got, like, a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu when he, or blue belt or whatever from, like, when he was at Jackson Wink. I couldn't find anything on him on Twitter. Guido Canetti was back at Team Alpha Male. Um, so I think Kennedy people just kind of hammer the he sucks things too hard and doesn't realize that he gets put in an underdog in these matchups that he actually should be winning and will will win these fights. Um, and I didn't study it, so folks, I could be completely wrong here, but off face value, this feels like another one of those again. So I'm two and zero for picking and playing Guido Kennedy. Let's see if I can go three and i I'm only putting like a, a few bucks on here, and so this I don't even know if I want to include this in an actual play which I won't. This will probably be a void list. But I'm just being honest with you guys, though, because that's what I do. Um, you know, as I pump myself, oh, goddamn, you're, you're so honest. Honest about how much of a degenerate loser. Okay, well, at least I'm being honest. <laughs> All right, folks, how do we do for this expedited version? Wow, 48 minutes. Okay, I guess not bad for me. All right. Recap. Picking Adesanya over Israel Adesanya over Yoel Romero, taking Yuani and Jacek over Wei Zhang over my so my heart will be with Zhang. Taking Benil Dariush over Jakar Close, taking Li Jing Liang over Neil Magny, taking Alex Oliveira over Max Griffin, taking Sean O'Malley over Alberto Quinones, taking Mark O'Madson over Austin Hubbard, taking Adolfo Vieira over Saperbeck Sakharov. Taking Gerald Mearshart over Darren Wynn. Taking Emily Whitmire over Pollyanna Viana. Taking Jiggy Chickens over Jamal Emmers. Taking Guido Canetti over Dana Bat Jarrell. Marco Madsen will be a parlay piece. I parlayed him with Lee for the plus uh, neighbor to plus 115 to plus 120-ish uh, for a unit. You know, me off that cliff. Took officially... Two dogs and two straight plays, even though you may have heard me snuck in some dogs at the end there. Sprinkles. But I took Mearshart plus 120 for half a unit officially. Whitmire for plus 100, half a unit officially. The straight, or the, the chalk I took was Dariush minus 160 for a whole unit and Lee minus 172 for a whole unit. No props. Avoid everything I say. Everything's a trap. Colin Farrell from Spy Movie. Oh, my dick's on fire. Sorry, that's, that's Colin Farrell, Al Pacino. I can't remember now. All right, that's my picks. Thank you guys so much. Um, I, I feel bad asking for, for anything because, again, I can't. Um, not that I can't. I've only missed like seven episodes since doing uh, this podcast since 2017, which isn't too bad. And I know I've done at least seven weeks where I've done two episodes or more, so. I've kind of made up for it in that, and nevertheless, I'm trying to get this consistent. I'm trying to keep this free. Everyone's putting Patreons on their podcasts, uh, and I, I got to figure out something to make some money. But one thing I, I'm promising myself is I'm going to try to keep this free and uh, and whatnot. Um, and, but if I do come up with a Patreon, it's tough because it's like uh, it's like I already. Pre- Put more prep. Granted, these weeks excluded than than most people do for their podcast that charge. So it's like if I go and charge, what the hell am I gonna? I better I better make it fucking something worthwhile. You know what I'm saying? I want to do like a mystery science theater thing if I could find a co-host 
where we go back starting and watching all the UFC so you can queue up audio tracks as specialty podcasts, uh, doing the same thing for martial arts-related movies, uh, plus top fives, which I'm going to be mailing out once my mom gets stable and returns home in the next week. Um, so I will be. I haven't forgotten about those folks. The drama has not completely affected those. Those will be coming. And God forbid if I ever did um, put a portion of this podcast behind a paywall, those of you who have made generous do- donations to the, to the PayPal at MixedMartialAnalyst.com, um, I I would be giving you the hookup. There's no way I'm, I'm, char- I, I'm charging people who have uh, donated and helped keep this podcast afloat any more than they already have. So th- don't worry, folks. If anything did come, you, you people are, are excluded. You know who you are. And again, uh, I'm gonna figure. I, I, I'm gonna figure something out um, to make sure just this stays, this stays mine, this stays free. But again, if you guys want to, you know, help the podcast at all, the click-throughs, and, and it doesn't cost you any money. It, we all use uh, Amazon. Anytime you got to go to the Amazon mixedmarshallanalyst.com, click through the banner. Uh, if you guys do that, I'll, I'll read off the items, give you guys shout-outs. Um, on it doesn't really work the same way, but if you click through the banner, I still get a percentage there. They got the hemp proteins, alpha brains, all that good stuff, kettlebells. Um, they stick you a small percentage back when you use those click-through links, or you could just give a five-star rating and review on iTunes. I'm going to read uh, the new ratings next week. Um, this is already longer than I wanted it to be. So if you're listening to this, wondering where the hell the picks are, they are just before this, folks, a little bit a little bit before this. I, I ranted a little bit there. But thank you, guys. Honestly, your support is felt during times like these. Uh, when things are not just chaotic, but, um, but yeah, man, um, <laughs> we, uh, none of us make much in the, in the, in the, in this, uh, in, in this, uh, crazy racket of, of sports as well. So any kind of support is, is appreciated. Thank you guys. I'll be back next week for some Bellator UFC. Uh, I got a special, uh, point of interest that I'm going to finally be filming on Monday as well. I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain for but it's coming, folks. More content is coming. Thank you for sticking with me, and I apologize for the delay in content. So good luck on your picks and plays this weekend. Enjoy the fights, and always protect. Protect.